And trust me, you know, having a real estate license and having sold property, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, you know, because you look at the LO and again, you know, you have access through NMLS. You don't know how long somebody's been in the business, you know, and, and truly, like you said, are they qualified? It's like going to a dentist. What's the level of pain? Zero to 10? You know, in the mortgage business, we could invent that and say, this guy's a 10. This guy's a 10. Right? That's you know, you hurt. call some LOs, right? And they'd be like, I'd hang up and go, this guy might be a two or a three. Welcome to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. I am Brian Lovell, always with the incomparable <laughs> co host, Dynamic. <laughs> Stud, John Jones. The ying to Brian Jang. Yeah, I love it. Let's have some fun today. All right, so um, we kind of had a conversation that we felt like, you know, we're in a pretty unique market, right? Unique by no slowdown of buyers, by the way, coming into the market, but inventories getting pretty ridiculous, right? I mean, we thought, we thought we were in a low inventory situation. Now we're really in a low inventory situation. And it's becoming a competitive market, especially if you're coming to the table um, with financing. So we just figured we have a little bit of a conversation about what are some things that a loan originator could be doing in this market right now to help their buyer's offer get separated from the rest? Like, how do we... How do we give a little bit of extra special attention? Spruce to it? up, you know, when there's six, seven, eight, ten offers on the yeah. table, make your offer, you know, stand stand out, out on bit. the crowd. Yeah, yeah, stand out from the crowd. I like so, it. So, um, what, what? Give me something. What are your first thoughts? Well, um, you, you know, we talk probably about you know TBD underwrites, right? If you're going to be working with buyers in this market, right, you're competing in many cases with multiple cash investors or just cash buyers, period. Mm -hmm. And if there's financing in place that, you know, if you're a realtor out there working with buyers, I mean, a pre-approval means nothing in this market. Um, Really, they need to be fully underwritten, Mm -hmm. subject to the appraisal and inspection. Um, And in in many cases, that's what we're doing here at Van Dyke Mortgage. Um, A lot of other lenders have that same program, but you know, you've got to be TBD fully underwritten and, um, and get that message out there that when you're presenting an offer, this person is fully underwritten yeah. you know, with a loan commitment. Yeah, I think just to give some clarity to a TBD underwrite, it, you know, you're you're having the entire file underwritten with the, the exception borrower. of an appraisal, the, right? So you're not underwriting. Good point. To be, so, yeah, to, to so be you're, determined. You're property, underwriting but the, 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 the borrower, but not not the property. And um, verified yeah. income, assets, employment, everything. All the way through underwriting, not just yeah. that the loan officers looked at that information and determined that they're good to go. Yeah. This is going all the way right through underwriting without the property appraisal. Yeah. And I think, by the way, I, I think even when once you get under contract and you get to that appraisal stage, I think you can do some pretty fast turn times on these. And for one reason is we know that desktop appraisals are coming out with Fannie and Freddie here pretty soon. Right. Um, and that's going to provide some opportunities where maybe turn, uh, appraisal turn times go. You know, we're seeing in some parts of the country, like out west, four to six weeks. You know, we're in Florida, we're seeing locally two to three weeks maybe for an appraisal. But that could literally get down to a couple of days. Right. So if you've already got a TBD underwrite done and you get the luck of the draw, on the desktop, we've appraisal. seen a few done in you know three or four days in the past couple of yeah. weeks. So that's a yeah. that's a good sign for our industry. But uh, yeah, I mean you know we're at the mercy, I guess, at 
you know, order a rush appraisal and, you know, close it in two to three weeks. But yep. in many cases, let's let's be realistic. Unless the property's vacant, a seller typically wants 30 days. Oh, they need time to, to move. Yeah. back up and get ready to get out of that property. You know, if, I, if I'm selling my house and you tell me 10, 15 days, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in my garage. I, I know say, that. By the way, I've lived in my house for 17 years. At this point, I'm not moving because I don't want to have right. to deal with all of that crap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, can, I, would need to, uh, I would need to pull up one of those dumpsters. You know, yeah. Um, because like, I, I can't even imagine. And yeah. maybe I should do that anyway. Yeah, it's, de- a, it's a good de- idea. Declutter, man. yeah, declutter. declutter. <laughs> about five years ago, I I, I actually got a pod, okay. put it out, put it out there because I wanted to repaint the floor in my garage. Took everything out, you know, weeded through. The only stuff that went back in essentially was the you know, the stuff that we wanted to keep. Yeah, and I need to do that again. By the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can only imagine what my attic looked like after 17 years. So what else do we got? We know we've got the TBD under, right? So yeah. once, once you're at that stage, Brian, I mean, what's a, what's a good tip? Um, you know, if you're, if you're working with a realtor and the realtor is going to submit an offer, what, what are some of the LOs doing so, out um, there? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, because I think you have to do something that says this is a fully underwritten file. So there's a difference between sending a pre-approval letter that your buyer's agent is going to use with the offer. Um, but I would create a marketing piece that explains what a TBD underwrite is. Sure. Right. So that, that you can give some credibility to, hey, this isn't just a pre-approval. This file has already been underwritten. We are literally contingent on an appraisal. And I think it needs to be kind of flashy. So that piece it, is it needs be, to stand out. That piece is something you put together with the offer and send in. Right. Yes. OK. I like it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, in, in addition to that, what else do you think some of these folks might might want to consider doing? So here's here's one of the things you, you and I we had an opportunity to talk to Chance Adamson a couple of weeks ago. He's a real estate agent in the awesome agent in, Georgia, in, in, just yep. south of, of of Atlanta in Georgia. And you know, one of the things I heard him say was, as a listing agent, he doesn't take an offer that he didn't talk to the LO about. Right. So he he's he's going over offers with his sellers. They're picking out whatever the top ones are. And then Chance starts calling the loan officers. If the, yep. So the first tip to you loan officers, if the listing agent is calling you. Pick up the phone. And, and like he shared with us, sometimes. They don't even return. They the don't call. even return the call. Right. Like, yo, it's too hard out there right now for your buyers, for you not to take a phone call from the listing agent on the property they just made an offer on, right? right? But the the other side of that is I, I think most loan officers are good enough that they're gonna take that call, but you need to have your junk together. Like, you know, Chance shared with us, he's like, hey, I've gotten off of calls with some of these loan officers and I'm like, eh, I don't know that they know if that's a, a doable loan. What, what's going on, right. right? Like they can't speak the language or they can't, um, mm-hmm. You know, communicate in a professional manner. And, you know, he even shared that in some of those cases, he's gone back to the buyer, buyer's agent and said, hey, I just want to let you know, we like your offer, but I talked to your loan originator. They're not great. And I'm not sure if we truly have a pre-approval or not. Right. And in some cases, what he what he shared is that, you know, that that buyer's agent will call their their loan officer. Right. Because they probably referred him and said, hey we've got a shot here to get this deal. I need you to beef this thing up a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And um, goes through the steps of doing that. But there's been some cases where Chance said, you know, they were like, hey, if, if whatever we got to do to win this deal, we'll, we're even willing to move it to a different loan originator. Yeah. 
right? So I just think, you know, you and I have been talking over the past couple of weeks that we're in a market right now where the professionals are going to rise to the top, right? Anybody can do loans. I shouldn't say anybody. This is the first time for a lot of people in this career that have been in an increasing rate market, right, in their entire career. Big increasing so rate market. It, 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 <laughs> took some calls this week I'm already. You, I mean, it's, listen, I'm going to give you some stats. I want to give you numbers, on, but I've got I'm some. I'm going to give you some numbers here in a minute. Mid fives? Be, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're in the first time in some of our careers, we're in an increasing rate market where we're also under the constraints of this tight inventory, right? And there's a lot of factors that are going into how do we make sure that these these deals you know, head to the top. So anyways, what I'm saying is, hey, let's be professionals. Let's do a good job up front. Let's put these buyers in the best position to be successful. We're not in the, you know, when the last couple of years, whether it was purchases or refis, we were churning and burning, right? I mean, like loans were coming in fat. You could go not to lunch and come back and have Entirely three shifting gears. Now you've got to really grind and work hard to yes. get your deal across the finish yes. line, right? Not necessarily because the consumer's not qualified, but because of the shortage of inventory. So, I mean, if you're out there and you're in the mortgage business, you want to let your realtor referral partners know that part of, the, part of your team, um, your commitment is to, I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to call when you submit an offer. Yeah. I'm going to call the listing agent. I'm going to explain without giving details that the the offer from this bar they're qualified they've been mm-hmm. fully underwritten you know I'm going to call you every week I'm going to keep you updated throughout the process you know where we are with the inspections and appraisals um, and getting it across the finish line I mean I, I think you know talking a chance last week or a couple of weeks ago those are the deals that are getting accepted it's just that little verbal communication in addition to the marketing yeah. piece submitted with the offer, you've got to pick up the phone. I mean, we've heard it. We've done some panels recently where we've had agents with 10, 12 offers. Only one LO calls to, you know, to, to say how qualified their, yeah. their buyer is in the buyer's offer. Yeah. And, and trust me, you know, having a real estate license <clears throat> and having sold property, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, you know, because you look at the LO, and again, you know, you have access through NMLS. You don't know how long somebody's been in the business. Yeah. You know, and, and truly, like you said, are they qualified? It's like going to a dentist. What's the level of pain? Zero to ten. <laughs> you know, in the mortgage business, we could invent that and say this guy's a ten. This guy's a ten. Right? <laughs> you know, you hurt. call some LOs, right, and they'd be like. I'd hang up and go, this guy might be a two or a three. I mean, you know, yeah. that's the odds of getting it across the finish line after the conversation with the loan originator yeah. on the other end. Yeah. So, I mean, I, if you're in this business trying to get buyer offers accepted, you need to let your agent know that you're partnered with. You will pick up the phone and you will speak in, you know, on behalf of the bar and the yeah. offer that they, it's, it's qualified and ready to close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, again, not every agent is um – as diligent as say chance, right? Where he's he's the one he's actually up the calling phone. calling out. So not not every listing agent is going to do that for um, their clients, you know. So in that, if case, you're listening li- listening to this to this podcast right now, and you're a listing agent, you should be doing that. Yeah, I mean, you want to you want to take the top three, two, three, four offers. If there's financing, you want to check you know check how long the yellow's been in business. Yeah, you know, how, is it a local lender? You know, or is it a lender out of state that doesn't necessarily, you know, how did the, how did the customer find the loan officer? That was one of the things that I always looked at. If the consumer finds the loan originator directly and the realtor didn't refer that person, the, 
the, that loan officer doesn't care. They're not as much vested because mm-hmm. the referral came to them and not through the realtor. Yeah. So they're not going to work as hard. Yeah. And they may be located out of state. And if the loan has a hiccup and it doesn't close on time, they're still going to go home at five o'clock on Thursday and it's not going to matter to them. Yeah. yeah. You know, where a local person that you're in partnership with, I mean, they're going to pick up the phone at seven at night. They're going to fight to get the deal closed yep. and they're going to continue to work as partners, you know, with that relationship. Yep. Yeah. I just think, you know, the the point you're hammering home right now is, hey, Mr. Mrs. L.O., you need to be picking up the phone and reaching out to the listing agent yourself and saying, hey, I just want to let you know my buyer is making an offer on one, two, three Main Street. And here's the steps and the process that I've gone through to make sure that this is a qualified buyer. And, and by the way, I think it's a you know if you're doing TBDs, it's a great time to bring that up too. Hey, you're going to see something a little bit different in the way that this buyer's agent makes an offer. And listen, not for nothing, switching gears a little bit, John. Doing something like that, like we're all in the business where we're trying to get new relationships, mm-hmm. right? If you're reaching out to whether whether your buyer wins that deal or not, if you're reaching out to a listing agent with that level of professionalism, do you think you're going to stand out from the crowd with them? Probably get an appointment later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether you or know? not the deal gets accepted or not, you're <clears throat> you, probably likely to call them the following week and say, yeah. "Hey, by the way, you know, I'd, I'd love to meet with you one on one, have coffee, and talk to, talk to you a little bit about yeah. the service I can provide." Yeah, I mean, you might earn some business that way. Um, you know, it's interesting. We we talked about this on a forum yesterday with, you know, I don't know, a hundred people or so, and. There was a lot, I mean, like you and I are talking about this stuff like this is the biggest no brainer in the history of Earth. And, you know, we got a group of highly seasoned loan originators who were like, wow, never thought to do that. Right. So I know I'm just looking at our the new world, my friend. This is, this, is the, this is the post COVID, yeah. no inventory. It's a battle. Yeah. And again, you go back to if there's four or five offers on the table and probably two or three cash and your guys trying to finance it, you've got to really stand out and stick out, you know? Yeah, Um, You know, even to the point where we talk about, um, uh, you know, what about the appraisal? You know, what's going to happen? You know, the property's selling, we've got it sold for 300, right? Is it going to appraise? Can they cover the difference, right? So if you're working with a customer that's able to do that, you need to communicate that to both agents. Yeah. And there's an understanding that, hey, we have a plan if this doesn't hit this mark, we can still close this yeah. deal. Hey, you just made me think of something, too. Um, you know, we see a lot of conventional buyers that are bringing 20% or more to the table when they don't really need to. And, you know, we're in a situation where a lot of people are having to make a bid over ask, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And instead of putting 20% down, what if you only put 5% down? You know, Use I would, look, I would look at the rates on what upfront MI is instead of doing a monthly MI could like, could you buy out the MI for one or two points? Mm -hmm. I I haven't looked, I haven't priced that out recently, but then you've got a lot more assets to play with that you can use in your bid over ask. So again, this goes back to loan officers have to be professionals in this market today. And being be, that means being creative, right? And that means being know how to work the numbers to, you know, to your advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And and communicate that when you're, When you're doing the, you know, the pre-approval, the initial stage with a borrower, I mean, and, and the agent that referred that customer to you, you know, this all has to be like, you have to have a game plan. What are you willing to do? What, you know, are, are you willing to do this, put less down and, and go this route and, you know, have a plan? Yeah. Hey, I, I'm going to throw another idea at you that we, we didn't really talk about. 
Um, so I had, I had a conversation this week with a company called Easy Knock. Have you heard of Easy Knock? I have. All right. So I, I by the way, I didn't ask their permission okay. to discuss this, but I'm okay. sure they're not going to mind a little bit of marketing, right? All right. Sure. But um, what I like about what Easy Knock is doing is they are a service out there that's partnering with um, loan officers and real estate agents, right? So loan officer, real estate agent are working together. They bring in Easy Knock. What easy not, and, and there's companies like this that are popping up all over the place. Now. Yes, yeah, I've looked right? at a few. Yeah, so easy knock. Let's say they buy the property that the buyer is currently living in. Okay, they so they're giving them the assets that they need to purchase the new property, but they're also now making their offer not contingent on the sale of another property. Right, so it solves mm-hmm. solves two uh, challenges there. Um, they then lease the property back to the buyer, right? Mm-hmm. So um, now the buyer has time because they have a lease back option anyway to go look for that home that they need. Now, once they they win that contract and they buy the new home, they, with their existing agent, go and list the property. This is one of the things I think is cool. If the property appreciated in the time from Easy Knock buying it to them listing it, they get the appreciation on it. Is right? it shared or is it, they get it nope. all? Nope, they nice. get it all, right? Okay. So, you know, it makes me think, like if I'm structuring a deal and this is like uh, something I want to do, the other thing is a lot of servicers will allow for a one-time payment recast, meaning if you then took the net proceeds, if you had the net proceeds of your of your home still left, let's say it was $100,000, right? You didn't put all of your money into the new purchase. On your new mortgage, you could make that $100,000 payment. And recast it. And your payment would recast based on the new principal balance. Your payment, your PIT. Pro tip, make sure the lender you're working with, you allows verify, that. Yes. and they, that, that's allowed. <laughs> yep, that's Not allowed. every lender allows And what that. the time frame is. Some of them allowed immediately. Some of them right. want six months. It, it just depends what it is. But, dude, I, I think I love it, yeah. there are companies like that popping up everywhere. I think that's a great option in the market that we're in. So how about this one? The same type of company, Easy Knock probably offers this as well, that, you know, you have 30 days to get a financing, you know, financing done. Mm-hmm. In the event that that financing falls through, or you're not able to close and fund in the 30 days. Easy Knock comes in and pays cash for the property and the deal closes and funds anyway. Yep. And then the buyer now has six months, the same concept works. They have six months to then obtain financing on the home that easy knock and I, i'm not sure if it's easy knock that does that but i've seen a lot yeah, of that, there's, a, there's some know, other companies some other folks that are yeah. doing that as well so yeah it's, yeah. Get, it's getting creative yeah you know to, to our point here so back to the lo's not picking up the phone and calling on offers that are being submitted you're probably going to fall to the wayside because that's how competitive of a market we're yeah. in yeah yeah you just made me think we should we should call some of these folks and have them on the podcast as guests that's that's a good idea i uh, like that so Cool. Yeah. Oh man, can you think of any other tips or tricks that that LOs could use in this market? So I had, yeah, you know, I was listening to somebody on a podcast last week that was talking about a similar thing we're talking about, but they actually have the the buyer's agent conference in the home seller along with the listing agent to communicate how qualified the borrower is. Wow. So they're bringing in the seller of the home. The seller. So you know, if that offer is going to be considered, they want the seller to hear how strong qualified the, the borrower is. Okay. And, and we're assuming on a TBD underwrite yeah. that everything is good, that here's where we're at, we just need the property appraised and we're ready to close. Yeah. Man, I don't know, as a seller, 
I don't know if I would love that. I mean, I, I get it. I think it's a strong strategy. The but listing, that, that, that's if the seller will, you know, if the listing agent will agree to that. But, uh, sure. you know, I mean, not sure. every seller wants to know too much. And it's not details on financials. But, yeah. I, I, again, I think it's just a feel good. Like, mm-hmm. all right, I, I want, this is the best offer. Yeah. Um, but it's five grand higher than the cash offer. Should I take cash mm-hmm. or should I, t- you know, how, how good do we feel about this deal actually yeah. closing in 30 days. Yeah, yeah. You know, it takes me back to the short sale days. Like, do you remember like 08, 09? Well, speaking of this, speaking of going back in, so if you're out there and you're, you're a seller right now, just shifting gears again, something that would, when you said short sales. So these cash offers that, that we're up against in the market right now, okay, here's a strategy that the large investment firms are using, mm. right? I'm going to over, overbid on everybody. And it's going to feel and see it look awesome because it's 50 grand higher than what you're asking. And it's going to blow everybody else out of the water. As that deal goes through, they start inspecting and whittling away. And sometimes often that deal that looks amazing, two, three weeks into just before closing gets whittled down to lower than some of the offers that were presented. Now, as a seller, you can decide, hey, I'm not in agreement with yep. this, and I can walk and start this process again, yep, yep. or I'm going to close. Now, remember, like psychologically, I wanted three. They offered 350. They're down to 320. That pisses me off. Yep. I turned away a 330 and a 335 finance deal. Yep. Right. Where do I want to go? Do I want to have to start this this again yeah. or close next week? So, so that, that's the strategy that you yeah. got, as a seller you got to watch out for. They are sharp. There's yeah. sharks out there. So you're saying buyer be or seller seller beware, beware of what of what the ins, what they're going to find. Institutional buyers, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so and by the I way, went, institutional buyer is going to stand out to you because it's not going to be Brian Lovell or John Jones. It's going to be some. LLC. LLC. That's right. buying the but, home. So you're saying buyer, seller beware of institutional sure, buyers. Sure, yeah. I yeah. mean, they're going to come I up think with, you hey, make a valid point. Hey, you know, here's what we're going to need to do. You know, our, you know we're going to need the roof repaired. We're going to need this, that, that. This is our counter, yeah. right? Because they're going to do their due, unless it's cash, no inspection period. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, they'll put a three, five-day inspection. They'll go send somebody out there, and then they'll try to whittle it down <clears> a bit. Yeah. So, you know, be on the lookout for that yeah. out there. What I was going to say about reminds me of short sale days is I remember we, we would use TBDs with our offers on short sales because, you know, you'd make an offer on a short sale, buyer and seller agree, right? They have the meeting of the minds. And then we wait Six and months. we wait and we wait, <laughs> you're right, for the bank to accept the short sale. And then, boom, buyer doesn't qualify. Like that was happening all the time. All the time. Right. And so one of the things that we were saying to, to agents back then was, hey, make sure you're making an offer with a with a TBD buyer so that six months from now when the short sale approval finally comes in, you can't actually close. That's yeah. what it reminded me of. Yeah. So cool. Well, dude, man, that we can skip a lot of stuff. Good information, man. It's nice a, job. You know, nice it's, job. A, it's a challenging market out there. Um, you know, probably a, a whole other podcast on talking about institutional buyers. Maybe we need to line I, something listen, up on I, that. I, I would love to do that. Um, Somebody, Steve Richmond, you know, guest of the show, he sent me that idea yesterday. I mean, we're hearing more and more about, you know, the frustration in the local real estate community about being up against these, you know, these hedge funds that are coming in. And, um, you know, <clears throat> one of the things just talking to a few people this week, home sellers aren't aware of what, what the strategy is doing that. Now, I read a report that all ho- homes sold in January nationwide, 22% were in institutional investors. Wow. So they are coming at us, you know, wow. hard. 
And, um, and, Man, you know, and that, I think that makes me worry. About it makes me want to put a lot of information out there right yes. now to, that if you're if you're selling a home, you know, you, you know, we need roofs over our head in America. But I feel like they're trying to turn America into uh, a nation of renters um, and, and homeowners. So home ownership is where we build. Yeah. All of our wealth. But my concern would be those institutional buyers are eliminating the first time home buyer. And listen, I don't mean to make this political, but I think in our country you're already seeing a division of the haves and the haves not the haves and the haves and have nots. What I'm meaning is we're seeing the erosion of the middle class going away, right? And institutional buyers like that are contributing to it. Yeah, and here's the last tip on this, and I read something uh, a couple of days ago on this. We borrow money at about four percent today on a mortgage. The institutional buyer, even though they're paying cash, is borrowing that money at about 1.5% through the hedge fund. So they are, in effect, borrowing at such a cheap rate, they can afford, on average, to spend twenty to 30000 more on that same asset wow. and be equal, equal with the consumer. So, I mean, they're playing at an advantage, for sure, Yeah. Um, you know, on a large scale. Yeah. So. Well, That's a whole nother podcast I out there do. again. It's funny. We've been talking about uh, creating a content calendar <laughs> and, and doing a better job of having some lined up. We just named like five. Yeah, we, so. we, definitely, <laughs> we definitely might hit that one up real soon. So that's cool. Hey, man, well, nice job. Good job, man. That's Good like, job. you know, work hard out there and, you know, stay, stay at it. It's going to be a challenging year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. So uh, anyways, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Contacts to Contracts podcast. On behalf of John Jones, I'm Brian Lovell. And if there's anything you need. We're always here to serve.